More than 2,000 people have died in Morocco after a powerful earthquake hit the country late in the evening on Friday the 8th of September. The epicentre was in a remote mountainous region southwest of Marrakesh. There's also been significant damage in the popular tourist city as well. Hello and welcome to this Global Situation podcast from International SOS, the leading health and security risk services company. I'm Chris Giles. Well, in this episode, we'll be finding out more about how we've been helping clients caught up in the disaster. I'll be talking to International SOS's Security Director for Assistance, Erica Weisbrod, and Adam Lacani, Security Director for Information and Analysis. So, Erica, can you tell me how have we been assisting clients so far? What have we been doing? Most of the clients we assisted so far were in or were traveling to Marrakesh. Some of them were on business. Some of them were on leisure travel. And it was very understandably a scary and tragic incident to experience and for them to witness, even in the aftermath, staying on in the city. What we saw was the earthquake occurred at 11 p.m. local time. And so one of the most immediate requests that we received into our assistance center was for accommodation. We had travelers who were staying in the Medina or the old city of Marrakesh, and their accommodations suffered damage or they were deemed to be structurally unsafe. And in some cases, they were not allowed to re-enter the accommodation. So we received requests from our clients to seek out new accommodation options. And that was on very short notice in the middle of the night. Many clients didn't know where they should go or what was available. Moreover, a lot of the hotels were fully booked. Marrakesh is a popular tourist destination. And a lot of individuals quickly moved to other accommodation outside of the old city. But we were able to identify hotels and recommend those to hotels in secure areas of the city that were also deemed to be structurally sound and those that also had availability. So those types of recommendations and directing clients to where they could seek safe shelter, at least for the immediate aftermath of the earthquake, was really critical. And given what people have just experienced, what were we able to do to help? Some of them wanted to leave immediately. They either weren't able to secure suitable accommodation or they weren't comfortable staying in that location. So we were also able to advise our clients on options to depart the city from Marrakesh. And based on our confirmation of the situation on the ground, we knew that the airport was still operational. We knew the main roads were accessible. We were able to verify that using our security partners on the ground. And we also knew that rail services were functioning. So these were all options where we could recommend clients to get out of the impacted areas. And some of them went to Casablanca. Some of them were able to depart on flights and get back to their home country. So removing people from the impacted area was a key area where we supported. Erica, what were some of the big challenges we faced? One of the other challenges that we've had in assisting some of our clients is in ensuring reliable communications. Some of the individuals on the ground have experienced cellular and data outages, and there's also been power outages, which has prevented mobile devices from being able to be readily charged. So this has made it difficult for clients to be able to make positive contact with some of their staff in country and to confirm if they are okay or even in the vicinity of an earthquake impacted area. So having essential communication, backup communication, and understanding that these outages can delay some of the response in order to understand the status of their staff and country. 
And with regards to the situation now, what can we do to help people going forward? Would there have been people in other areas, say further afield than Marrakesh, who would like our assistance? Or would there be perhaps people who are helping with the relief effort and need to get into Morocco? So our key advice at the moment is to avoid non-essential travel to the impacted areas from the earthquake and to really allow the government to conduct its own disaster response. There's also still the risk of aftershocks and the structural integrity of buildings still needs to be validated. But we do know that some of our clients will actually conduct essential travel to the region. They will need to, to travel to conduct humanitarian missions. We have journalists who are trying to get in to cover the event. And since they'll need to enter the impacted region, we're also going to be able to support with those inbound movements. We have credentialed security partners on the ground, and we're able to support with requests, whether it's recommendations on suitable accommodation or getting up-to-date information with the status of routes and road travel, and also to confirm the viability of travel to the earthquake-affected areas, which is where we do see some of those more local roads have been damaged by the earthquake. So we can support with those secure ground movements if they do decide to con conduct travel there and provide up-to-date information to facilitate their essential inbound travel. And Erica, with regards to our response to this incident, can you tell me about sort of the people that we have available on the ground to help with the assistance for our clients? We maintain a, a network of in-country security partners that we're able to rely on both for information and for security assistance services all over Morocco, but also to cover the areas in Marrakesh and those that have been impacted by the earthquake. We had a security team member travel to Morocco last November to conduct some assessments. And at that point, they were able to meet with our in-country security partners. And that's really enabled us to re-engage with them in this crisis scenario so that they are ready and available to support with on-the-ground requests, whether this is for information or for assistance. And so having this relationship in place has been really valuable for us to be able to respond in this evolving crisis. So our providers, they can support with requests that include ground transportation, close protection, and man guarding. And while we haven't seen a need for it immediately, they would also be able to support with supply drops of essential materials. Okay, thanks, Erica. Well, let's get a picture now of how International SOS was able to respond so quickly to the earthquake. Let's hear now from our Security Director, Information and Analysis, Adam Lakani. Thank you very much, Chris. So the earthquake was first picked up by our global threat monitoring teams, and they're located in, in London and Sydney. They work through the relevant information channels and escalation processes that we have here at International SOS. This was then ultimately communicated to ensure that internal and external stakeholders and clients were made aware as, as, as soon as possible. This initial process involves source identification and source grading, essentially working through the intelligence cycle to make sure that we maintain the balance of speed and accuracy in the reporting in the early minutes and hours of the incident as it's unfolding. So Adam, what's our current security assessment of the situation in Morocco? So the main urban centre that's been affected has been Marrakesh. However, the epicentre of the earthquake itself was in the high Atlas Mountains. So this is a very remote area. Emergency services have been working to clear the roads and to access the affected areas. 
However, we are receiving reports that entire settlements have been destroyed. So yet people have been having to sleep outdoors and the emergency services are working to reach these very remote locations and ensure that essential supplies can reach them. And with regards to logistics, what can you tell us about the situation? Are there concerns with regards to the remoteness of some of the areas that have been affected about things like having enough water and having enough food? Absolutely, Chris. So the army appears to be leading on the disaster response in the rural areas, according to authorities. They're well placed to assist given their knowledge of the terrain and often help these rural communities during winter periods. Beyond that, the search and rescue appears to be coordinated by local civilians and local aid organisations, such as the Moroccan Red Crescent. With respect to logistics, flights are still operating in and out and remain relatively unaffected. Also, major roads between urban centres are mostly unaffected at the moment. However, we're closely monitoring the situation between these cities and towns, making sure that we understand what the state of the road looks like and also the amount of traffic that's flowing in between them. And with regards to the relief effort, what external countries are now helping with the search and rescue operation? So the Moroccan government has accepted aid offers from Spain, the UK, Qatar and the UAE. The UK has sent 60 rescuers, four dogs and a four-person medical team. Spain has sent 86 rescuers and eight search dogs. It's also reported that several planes have taken off from Qatar carrying the rescue teams and emergency aid. However, reports are indicating that the Moroccan government has not yet responded to several other countries and organisations' offers for assistance. This has included France, Taiwan, Turkey, Israel, the EU and the UN, who are awaiting contact from the Moroccan government prior to deployment. So with regards to a forecast of what might now happen over the next 24 to 48 hour period, what can you tell me? So although the situation has somewhat stabilised, the casualty numbers will continue to rise. And in the next 24 to 48 hours, we're likely to see the assistance efforts move from rescue to recovery. Although the information from rural areas is still flowing in and the full scale of the impact has not yet been realised, this is unlikely to happen in the short term, especially due to the remote and mountainous area affected. As I mentioned earlier, some reports have indicated that entire villages in these locations have been destroyed. However, with the continued delay by the Moroccan government to authorise the entry of foreign relief teams and equipment, this may also hamper the rescue efforts in the immediate term. In addition to this, the risk of aftershocks will also persist in the next 48 hours, and personnel from the Moroccan seismic monitoring departments have commented that there are positive indications that the majority of aftershocks are not surpassing 3.0, which is positive. However, the size and the scale of the initial earthquake has compromised the structural integrity of many buildings and a large amount of infrastructure. So any further tremors you know, may still prompt their collapse. Adam, I understand that there was some misinformation about what happened in the hours following the earthquake. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Absolutely, Chris. Yeah. So regarding the amount of information, immediately after the earthquake, there was a huge amount of reporting. And this was both in terms of the location of the earthquake, where the epicentre was, and then also the impact. At International SOS here, we quickly verified through multiple online tools in coordination with our trusted contacts on the ground, the scale of the earthquake and the, uh, the location of the affected area. We focused on the state of medical facilities, access to those medical facilities. And in addition to this, the, the state of the roads was also very closely examined. And then this was again cross-referenced with information from our local partners on the ground. So this was really blending that combination of open source and human 
information. One example of, of misinformation that we saw circulating was imagery from, from previous natural disasters, and this was not reflective of the situation in itself. This misinformation may have caused further panic among our client base and anyone else who was seeing it. And with regards to what we were monitoring about what was going on in Morocco then, how can we be sure that our information is valid and can be actionable by our clients? Yeah, absolutely. So we, of course, maintain all the expected industry standards of open source information collection and processing. However, the real difference here has been the local source network on the ground. Once we've received information, this has been checked with our local contacts on the ground to either validate or debunk. This has been applied to the operational environment and we've been working very closely with the assistance team. This ensures that the information has direct operational relevance and is actionable. Okay, Adam and Erica, thank you so much for all your analysis and advice about the situation. Thank you very much, Chris. Well, that's all for now, but just a reminder, you'll be able to access all the latest information and updates on Morocco from our website, internationalsos.com. And from there, you can find out about our global network of assistance centres, available to clients 24-7. But until next time, thanks very much for listening and goodbye.